Hello, this is Joshua Bell with The Kilt and the Cloth. This was my sermon from January 2nd, 2022. I hope you enjoy. God bless. My scripture this morning is taken from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. If you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it is found in your pew Bibles on 180 in the New Testament section of your pew Bibles. It's important to know that before we read this, that it's like a hymn. It's designed specifically in a way that you're supposed to, in your mind, sing it from your whole being. This is kind of how Paul writes. As he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places just as He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, to be holy and blameless before Him in love. He destined us for adoption as His children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of His will. To the praise of His glorious grace that He freely bestowed upon us in in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption, Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and insight. He has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things on heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we also have obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. This sets up this core lesson. Blessed be the God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Shortly after this, you start hearing in Ephesians, he he gives us armor. He gives us spiritual gifts. He, He talks in such a way that is to combat the world that he finds himself in. But in that moment, Paul's overall understanding of what is included in God's blessing of humankind is God's initiative to choose to extend adoption to redeem and to forgive to illuminate the mystery of God's will some sort of bestowed inheritance and the seal of the Holy Spirit the hope is is that such blessings begin with a sense of doxology, a praise to God for such providing us with such a praising and glorious life. 
It's fascinating to me that in our world, it's easy for us to understand all of these things and yet not understand a single one of them. You're going to have to forgive me a little bit. This whole week I have been reading nothing but about the Roman Empire of the first century. And I, and I have to comment on the fact that one of the authors, Dr. Colleen Conway, Conway talks specifically about how Paul's letters to the Ephesians is in such a way that we recognize that Ephesus was a place of travel. People were coming and going along the Roman road. And as he's having these conversations, he uses these words and this language in such a way that doesn't just combat the Roman Empire, but lifts it up as the world that we live in, but not the world that we've inherited, you see. That's kind of a big deal, church. It's not written in code. It's not double-sided speak. It's written in such a way that's brilliant, that shows God's will is bigger than anything the emperor could provide. He challenges the status quo with making us understand that while the emperor is still here and is considered himself the emperor or the son of gods, plural, that the son of our God gives us something bigger better than anything the emperor could even fathom. It destroys the empire with just mere words of love and comfort and doxology. When I read this passage of scripture, it's hard to not pay attention to the idea of adoption. For us to be adopted into the family of God is, is not a small task, you see. In the Torah, it was something that everyone did. You, you became a part of their family. It's when you, there was no stranger. You see, that's part of the reason that Jesus gets so mad all of the time is, is that you have strangers in your midst. That's not, a, according to Torah, everyone that draws breath is a child of God and if they're a child of God, then they are a part of your family. You are to feed them. You are to clothe them. To treat them as if they are the honored guest inside your home. When Jesus gets mad and combats these issues in the Gospels, it's literally to say, this is wrong. You're not even listening to what God has written to you. It's hard to not pay attention to the phrase adoption. Adoption is a huge deal in my family, obviously. I have two biological brothers and three non-biological sisters who I would say that they are, might as well have been biologically put into our family. I remember when this whole thing happened. Do you all remember... Back that the, there was a time that Channel 9 used to do this thing called Wednesday's Child. Yeah. Well, that's how we met my sisters. My mom and dad had always told us when we were growing up that we were going to adopt a girl from the Philippines. My mom and dad, when we were in Japan, went to the Philippines and, and just saw that how, how hard of a situation it was. 
uh, for young girls growing up there, and that was their they were that was their mission. They felt called to it, even at an early age. I remember them saying this. And of course, I'm in high school, and I'm thinking that's never going to happen. And we would watch every Wednesday. It was like something that we did together as a family. And Wednesday's child would come up, and I remember it very distinctly. We were sitting there watching TV as a family, and then Tiffany, my youngest sister, is sitting on the countertop at this skating alley, a roller rink thing, as the ladies interviewing them. Tiffany, for those of you that don't know, is blessed beyond all of our comparison due to the fact that she has Down syndrome. And she knows God personally. Well, I remember watching it as she's sitting on top of this counter and they have these god-awful glasses on her. It was one of those things that you, when you go into foster care, they get you what you, they have, which is usually a donated thing. They obviously didn't fit. And, and she's sitting there, she's having a good time, and Misty and Peggy are the ones being interviewed, who are nothing short of being uh, what we would say hams. Uh, and they had all kinds of great things to say on their interview that they loved John Michael Montgomery. They loved OSU, go pokes, they would say. Then they would say, we especially loved our time with Garth Brooks. And we'd say, that's all right, we still love them. And then shortly after that, the show ends. My mom and dad stop talking. They look at my brother's. And we said, okay, what do we have to do? Because <laughs> we knew at that exact moment that those girls that were on the television were going to be living with us very soon. There were a lot of concerns. It was always supposed to be one girl, you see, with three boys. Not three girls and three boys. We lived in a three-bedroom house in McAllister with uh, room to grow and my mom was not working and my dad was still the minister at First Christian Church in McAllister and was still serving in the Navy towards the end of his career I might add and there were a lot of concerns where are they going to live what how are we, I mean are they all going to sleep in one room? What are we going to do about beds and clothes and all of this stuff? And all of the concerns of the world, you see. And the funny thing is, as I look back on it later on in life, all of those earthly concerns disappeared and dissipated. And the next thing I know is, is that they were stuck and embedded in my house as if they were born by my own mother annoying me just as bad as my younger brothers. Beds arrived. My dad built them. Dresser drawers arrived as my brothers and I helped dad build them. Clothes arrived not just from thrift stores, but clothes that my mom would make and the ways that we all pitched in together as a family. The family dinner routines changed in the blink of an eye. I <laughs> inevitably cooked. Luke did the dishes, thank God. And Adam kept the girls, well, mostly out of trouble. 
You see, adoption in its perfect moments, you find there's a peace that this person has always been a part of your life. There's this thing that you have when you're adopted that, you, that nobody else really can relate to because it's as if your own family disappears and this new one that God has provided appears. Those that live in the household never act as if there's anything wrong or different. It's just a new angle, a new conversation, a new doxology, if you will. Yeah, there were lots of good days and several bad ones. But I want you to think about what it meant to Paul as he's talking about this in the sense that you might begin envisioning this good life, what everybody else seems to have. But the point of this passage is not to focus in on what everybody else has, but what God has presented to you in the form of Jesus who provides adoption for each of us. He is your Wednesday's child. And he sees you as something, as a part of his life. The thing that was missing. And the redemption that comes from this. And the forgiveness that comes from this. And the illumination of the mystery of God's will uh, can only be said to in perfect words. From my sister Tiffany, when I was 17 years old and had had a humongous fight with my mom and dad and had decided that I was going to move out on my own with no car, uh, no money, but I was going to leave. And Tiffany had witnessed this battle between all of us in the midst of power struggles and exchanges and Tiffany follows me outside as I literally go sit on the tree to pout. For I was trapped in the world of the Roman Empire known as Gary and Denny Bell. Now Tiffany is not one that has lots of words, but when she does speak about God, you do feel a, a sense that I know nothing. I can spend the rest of my life studying scripture and reading Greek and Hebrew, and yet I still know nothing in the ways that Tiffany knows God. And I will never forget that moment I'm sitting on the side of this tree, pouting on the side of the road, as all of a sudden Tiffany says, Josh, uh, are you done yet? Uh, what do you mean, Tiffany? Are you done yet? No, I'm not done. You just don't understand what's going on. And, and she says, uh-huh. Well, God says you need to go back in and apologize to mom and dad. <laughs> what? God said you need to go apologize to mom and dad. Hurry up, fish bait. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm shark bait. She's fish bait. It was at that moment that I realized I know nothing of the presence of God. 
I know nothing about the Roman Empire due to the fact that I did not grow up in the first century. I know nothing about how easy it is to talk about the blessings that flow like honey for Paul and all of the people of the first century, but I do know something about adoption. We didn't adopt them. They adopted us. And my life has forever changed. And I'm crying like a little baby because in that moment, I understand the presence of God. I understand the blessings that Paul is talking about. I get to have a glimpse of the mystery of God's will in the midst of being adopted, being seen from afar and found worthy to be in the family of God. As we begin this year, our job, our mission, needs to be to find ways of adopting others. This family isn't big enough, you see. There's plenty of room for everyone at our tables. And it's because of this that blessings rebound with doxology and praise to God for providing us with such praising in a glorious life together. For all the voices can sing together. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.